0: River Valley, Pastor Rob here. Uh, we're starting this series, Thin Ice, dealing with temptation and wanted to do an interview to help you kind of understand at all of our campuses, uh, really what's going on with temptation, thought about it for a while. Uh, who could we interview so that really you could learn? And we thought about this, why not interview the father of lies? And so today here we have him, the father of lies, uh, the devil.
1: Hey, Pastor, I, you know, I'd say it's nice to see you, but uh, then I'd be lying.
0: Well, yeah, the, the feeling's mutual.
1: I'm a big high-five guy. I love high-fives. I invented them. I'll, I'll pass. Okay. What, what was that you were saying about all those campuses?
0: We're one church in many locations and we're trying to start more locations just to reach people and to tell them the good news.
1: Um, yeah, I don't like that very much. I mean, why can't you just be River Valley? Uh, I mean, you're doing fine. You got a nice place here. Uh, enough with all the campuses. You've got enough people. Um, I mean, I'd say you can come, you can be entertained, and then just go home and forget that—forget uh, whatever you were taught.
0: We're, we're trying to talk about temptation here, and you know, you've been doing a lot of these interviews. You're a pretty popular guy.
1: I'm kind of a popular guy, kind of like uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, from the Packers. You know Aaron Rodgers? A-Rodge, dude, yeah. I know A-Rodge real well.
0: So wait, you're a Packer fan?
1: Huge Packer fan. Why do you think they've been doing so well, man?
0: What do you think of the church in general?
1: Uh, I got mixed feelings about the church.
0: But you don't—you don't hate it.
1: Uh, yeah, I hate the church. Uh, but I mean, I do some of my best work inside the church at the same time. W- what do you mean? Well, Robbie, is that all right if I call you Robbie? Yeah, no. Robbie, um, you get people fighting about the stupid stuff, I mean, teaching style, entertainment, facilities, music style, uh, how people look, how the church spends their money. You get people gossiping about other people, judging other people, all the while they're at the church thinking that they're spiritual. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, okay, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, that's good. You might want to tweet that.
0: Wait, you're on Twitter?
1: Uh, You know, I'm more of a MySpace guy. Uh, I actually invented MySpace. You know what? If I was on Twitter, I would have more followers than Justin Bieber. No joke. Justin Bieber sounds like a dying dolphin. Can I get an ice water or something here?
0: Yeah. No. No ice water. None. Dude. What about outside the church?
1: Same deal. You just uh, you just get people distracted.
0: Okay. So like when you tempted Jesus in the desert.
1: Please don't say that name. Um, but yeah, sort of like that. Uh, but honestly, you only heard one side of the story on that one. Uh, you know, I wrote this part. I tried to get it in the Bible, but it was actually rejected, unfortunately.
0: But it didn't work with Jesus. He's the key to overcoming... temptation. Hey,
1: please don't say that name.
0: Who, Jesus?
1: OK. This interview's over. I'm, I'm sorry. You've crossed the line. On, uh,
0: I guess that's it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So cool. As you saw in the video, we're beginning our series this weekend uh, entitled Thin Ice at all of our campuses. Excited to begin this teaching. Just believe it's going to be a great series. Want to welcome all those that are watching at all of our campuses Apple Valley, Savage, Menatrista, Faribault, people watching online. Uh, God's doing so many great things. How many know that God's doing great things in our church? Come on, say yes. He is. He's doing so many great things. So, welcome to everybody. Again, it's going to be a great series this whole topic of temptation, and uh, we're going to learn about it. It affects all of us uh, there's something that each and every one of us will be able to take away from this series I believe Pastor Rob believes every week there's just going to be some just some really challenging things and and we're going to have some real teachable moments as well and so we just encourage you this weekend to kind of dial in with us and jump in with both feet and kind of just be open to whatever whatever God wants to speak to each and every one of us so when we look at the topic of thin ice I want to begin with just a little bit of trivia how many know that when you come to River Valley Church you get educated right and so I want to give you a little bit of trivia of thin ice, okay? And I want to give you some trivia questions, but I'm going to help you with the answers. Is that okay? That's okay, right? So I'm going to help you with the answers. And uh, the trivia is this. is I'll ask you the question, when is it safe to do something on ice and you can kind of give me the answer. So uh, and this, these aren't made up. This is really, really true. I did extensive research, let me tell you, on thin ice. So um, here we go. When is, it, when, is it, uh, when is it safe to walk on ice? How many inches does it have to be? How many think it has to be five inches? Say five. Let me give you a hint. Go with what I do, okay? Go with my, go with my answer. How many think it's five? Five. You guys are sharp. That's right. Well, you can walk on ice when it's when it's five inches. Uh, snowmobile or ATV? How many believe it's six or seven inches? Oh, way to go! You're still not catching on. I'm gonna give you the answer. Yeah, no. Hopefully, it's working at the campus is better. All right, here we go. Uh, that's a snowmobile and ATV. How about a car or a small truck? How many think it should be ten to twelve inches of ice? Oh, yeah, good, 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 All right, and the last one, how many think, when do you know when do you think it's safe to drive a dump truck on ice? How many say never? never, never, right? Some things are just just common sense. sometimes you see on the news different things that have fallen through the ice, and you 're just like, "Why is that out there ever you know end of january it sh- it, sh- it should never be there. Uh, preparing for the series then ice. Um, just I've recollected, thought about a lot of different things. I have so many different memories. I'm a, I'm pretty much a Minnesota boy. Grew up in the Twin Cities and the South suburbs. And uh, just, I'm one of those Minnesota boys. I love winter. All right. Is there anybody else here that loves winter? Come on. Thank you all four of you. That's, but it's Winter's great. I love it. It's, uh, I have so many memories of winter. And, uh, just, uh, and I also, in, in just prepping for this series, was thinking about uh, some of the really dumb things I did as a kid during winter. I don't know if anybody else did, you know, as you're in your elementary age, teenage years. Again, is there anybody else that did a few dumb things when you were growing up? Some of you should have both hands up. No, come on, church. Let's be honest, right? I mean, it's just, it's true. And uh, prepping for this series, there's a number of things. And I remember, uh, like, like it was yesterday, I remember a true story. I was 15 years old. I was with a friend He's a little older than me. How many know when they're older, you're the innocent one, right? So I was, I was the younger one, right? And he led me astray into evil. But anyways, uh, we, were, we were on a lake in uh, south of the metro. It was a little lake and it was mid-December. I remember we had a cold, cold beginning to, to, to winter that year. And he and I decided that we were going to take his dad's new Chevy pickup out on the ice. And yeah. And so uh, and so we're going to drive his pickup out on the ice. And, and the lake was like this. It was frozen all the way out around the outside and there was open water in the middle. And we thought, no problem, right? No problem because there's ice. And we went out there and I remember we jumped on the ice and didn't fall through. So we, saw, we thought we we're good, right? We're good for the truck. So we took the truck out there, and we're doing 360s and spinning, true story, not making this up, and we're driving around, and, you know, we're just having a blast, we're hanging out the window, and there's nobody else on the lake, hello, and, uh, and so that, that was kind of a key sign, nobody else is out there, and so we're, and we kind of got farther and farther out, and we got, we weren't out to the middle, but I was hanging out the door of the truck looking and screaming, yeah, whatever, being stupid, Right. And I looked back and I could see slush flying out from the back wheels. And I tell you, my heart about stopped. And I turned around, I yelled at my friend, turn, go to shore, go to shore. And so we just start flying into shore as fast as we can. And how many of you know when you have a moment like that, your heart just kind of stops and just fear just kind of gripped both of us. And just kind of grabbed our hearts. And thin ice is one of those things that when we look at temptation and this whole topic, We've entitled it Thin Ice so that we could kind of grab the understanding that it's not just a teaching on temptation, but it's understanding that there's a danger element to temptation that if we don't watch out can really end up in disaster. So we'll learn about temptation, we'll learn, we'll be educated, we'll, we'll read some incredible scriptures, but we will also kind of discover and kind of be challenged and not shrink back from, from learning kind of about this danger side that we, that we really, really need to avoid. So um, again, I want to give you, now I'm going to give you a quick survey. It's just two questions. I'm going to ask everybody, Apple Valley, Savage, Fairwell, Minnetrista, everyone watching online, I'm going to ask you to participate in this survey. And when we talk about, when we talk about temptation, We want you to know, and we'll learn throughout this series, that temptation covers so many different areas. It's not just moral or purity temptation, although that's really significant. There's also temptation in the area of unforgiveness. There's temptation in the area of power. There's temptation in the area of finances. There's temptation in the area of lack of integrity or breaching integrity. There's temptation in relationships. There's temptation that creeps into our lives. Fear of the future, trying to hold on too tight. Temptation can come at us from so many different angles. So as we teach on it throughout this series... Don't get fixated on just one kind or one area. There's so many different expressions, if you will, of temptation. We'll learn about several of them. So let me give you this quick survey. Just uh, respond. There are two really easy questions. First question is this. Who here has never faced temptation? Raise your hand. All right. Nobody's hands are up. Second question, really easy. Who here has faced temptation in your life quite often? Raise your hand. All right, Everybody, everybody's got their hand up. So turn to the person next to you and say, this message must be for me. Go ahead and tell them that. It is, it it's must be for me. When I was preparing the message and looking and studying over this material, I just felt like God dropped a word in my heart. Listen to this word. Just feel like God dropped a word in my heart. And I, and I wanna ask you to just repeat it back to me because I think it's for each and every one of us about this series. I want you to say this. Say, this teaching is for me. Say it one more time, this teaching is for me, is for me. And, for and for others too. I think throughout this series, throughout don't repeat anymore. <laughs> you are so obedient. I just, I just love that. That is so cool. Way to go. Yes. But I think, okay, I'm done now, all right? I think throughout this series, seriously, I think throughout this series, um, there's going to be these moments where we're going to learn a lot. And we don't ever want to think during this series that it's for somebody else only and that we don't have something to learn. And God doesn't want to speak to our hearts and challenge us about something. So this series is for me. And then I also felt just stirred in my heart as I was studying this week. God's also going to use us to help others in our lives and speak into other people's lives and help them steer and navigate some of these things in a God-honoring way. So it's both and. The teaching is for me. It's not just I'm here to help other people. It is for me. God, speak to my heart. God, convict my heart. I want to be humble. Whatever you want to speak, God, I'm listening. But it's also this side of God. Um, I want to be available for you to help me use, and use your word to speak into others' lives. So here we go. James chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse, verse number 2 of James 1. Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, when tempted, watch this, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when? By his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. The book of James was written by James. Um, He was called James the Just. That was his nickname, James the Just. He was the youngest brother of Jesus. And Jesus had several, several biological brothers. James the Just was the youngest brother, and he was the author of the book of James. He didn't commit his life to Christ, go all in with God until after the resurrection. After Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and the ascension into heaven, and he didn't follow Jesus and his older brother during his life, he committed his life to God after the resurrection and became a sold-out warrior and and believer in Jesus Christ. That is the author of the book of James. Also notice about the book of James, his target audience, if you will, he's he's writing to Jewish Christians that were all in for God and that wanted to serve God. His target audience—he was writing to Jewish Christians that wanted to be all in and serve God with all of their hearts. So, if that is you, you or me—that we are the audience—and that's who James was writing to. That's that's who we, who he's talking to. So, I I thoroughly encourage you over the next few moments this weekend to grab a pen or a piece of paper. I'm going to just give you a couple key truths. I think there's going to be five or six different things that you're going to want to write down. And they're just, again, really good teachable moments. So two truths, two truths that I want to begin with this weekend. The first one is this. And track with me. Watch this. The first one is this. God allows tests and trials to come our way. Fact. Watch this. God allows tests and trials to come our way. So James chapter 1 says, it's Job chapter, you can go all the way through the Bible, you'll see where those that follow God and those that are committed to God, there are moments, we don't always understand them, where tests and trials come our way. Now watch this. The test and, here's the purpose. The purpose of God allowing tests and trials to come our way is this, to bring out our best. The purpose is to bring out our best, never to harm us. The purpose is, That God allows them to come into our lives, tests and trial trials is to bring out our best. Second truth is this temptation comes not from God, but from self and Satan. Temptation does not come from God, but it comes from self, our flesh, and Satan. That's what scripture teaches. We we just read it clear as a bell. God does not tempt us with evil. That is not in his character. That is not what he does. And we just got to understand that and got to to kind of, it's one of those core values that we've got to understand the difference. And so so it comes from self and Satan. God allows tests and trials to come our way. Watch this. The purpose is to bring out our best. Self and Satan bring temptations our way. And the purpose is to bring out our worst. So test and trials, the purpose is to bring out our best. Temptation, that whole issue of sin and self and, and, and Satan, is the purpose is to, to bring out our worst. For 24 years now, I've been a pastor in different places, seasons, youth ministry. God's allowed me to have so many incredible opportunities of working in incredible churches. And, and uh, it's just been such a blessing. And I, I can tell you, in the past 20 plus years, I've had literally hundreds of people ask me some variation of the question I'm about to present to you. And I've had young people ask it to me, children. I've had adults ask it. I've had brand new Christians ask this question. I've had people that have been Christians for many, many years and just want to serve God with all their heart ask this question. I've had people that are kind of seekers and exploring Christianity ask this question. And the the, the variation varies a little bit, but here's what they would say to me. They'd say, Pastor, tell me, answer this. When does temptation cross the line and become sin?" When does temptation, when does it cross the line and it becomes sin? I mean, that's a great question because to be tempted is not sin in and of itself. Again, teachable moment, grab that. To be tempted in, in and of itself is not sin. And so I think a really wise person asked the question, hey, can we find out in the Word of God when temptation crosses the line and then it becomes sin, and it's an area of disobedience that we need to repent of. Well, the book of James, James chapter 1, James basically says to us, he says, hey guys, um, I can explain this to you. And I can lay this out. And if you grab it, if you understand it, if you kind of embrace it, um, not only will it be a help to you, you can also help others with it. So let's look at the journey. Let's look at the process. And I'm going to give you five words. They all start with the letter D. I want them to make, I make them pretty easy to remember. And they're taken strictly from James chapter 1. They're not things I made up. They're strictly from the Word of God and we'll understand the progression, if you will, this teachable moment of temptation. The first stage of the first word is desire. Sin always begins as Desire. Temptation, excuse me, always begins with desire. A desire to do more, a desire to have more, a desire to be with this person, a desire to act out in this way, a desire to get more money, a desire to have more power, a desire to to excel in the organization, a desire to get forward, to lack integrity, to commit, to breach integrity, to get something for our own personal gain, a desire to hold on to unforgiveness because we're mad at somebody, whatever it might be, it always, always, always starts as desire. Then temptation moves to kind of phase two, which is called deception. Deception. I want you to understand about this point that deception is always a part of temptation. And here's how you know that God never tempts anyone because God never deceives. God never will deceive you and I. He loves us too much. So in temptation, deception is always part of the journey. I mean, it just is. The something says we see something, we're tempted with something, and we tell ourselves it's going to be okay. We tell ourselves we won't get caught. We'll tell ourselves God understands. We tell ourselves it's just a unique situation. Again, anybody at any layer, at any level, at any season of life faces this. I mean, uh, how many, is anybody a fisherman, anybody a fisher lady? I don't know, I'm supposed to call you fisher ladies, I don't know. But uh, I've, I've fished, a few of you have fished a few times, maybe you're all out deer hunting this weekend, I don't know. But you think about the whole deal, and so fishing basically, there's either a lure, right, in the water, or there's bait. And when that fish sees the lure in the water, or the bait, they are deceived into thinking that they can grab that, and that will be their meal and the deception is they're about to become the meal, right? It's the whole thing. So why are you fishing, you bunch of deceivers? No, but think about it, you know? That's, it, that's really what it is. It's that whole idea of deception that says, watch out, church. I mean, watch this point here. Deception's always a part of temptation. That's how you can know it's the enemy. That's how you can know it's self, or it's our flesh, and it's not God, because there's there's, a, there's an element of deception that just isn't true. It's just not right. Then we move from deception to design, what I call design. Design is where in our minds, the Bible says, desire conceived or lust conceived. We would translate that and say when sin becomes planned, we plan it out. Design it in our minds. The Bible actually says, Jesus says, if we look at somebody with lust in our heart, we've already committed that sin. That's what it's talking about. It says, when we dwell on that, we design it, we think about it. And so it's more than that quick glance. It's more than that thought of unforgiveness. It's more than that temptation to, to do something with, that lacks integrity at the workplace. It's sitting there and thinking it through and wondering what it would be like and entertaining the thought instead of bringing it captive to the obedience of Christ. And that is that, is that moment of design. I believe scripturally, I believe James teaches that's the moment when temptation moves into sin. Because we're captured it in our mind. Then the next, the next D is disobedience. Sin, the sin's acted out. We may have already acted on it in our minds or our hearts, but we literally physically acted out. And that's the disobedience phase. The last D is, again, not a fun word, but it's the word disaster. James says sin, when it is fully grown or fully finished, brings forth eventual death. Right? So if we don't check it, if we don't ask forgiveness, if we don't get it right with God, if we don't lay it down, if we just let it stir there, and I can't tell you how many people, how many stories, how many lives over the years of, of people in church, people we care about and love, people you know, where it was disaster. It was, it was, it was something that was just really stirring. And I want to give you one more truth that's kind of part of this journey, and that's simply this. And, and just, just believe this because it's true. If you give in... It will get worse. Don't believe anything else. If you give in and sin, that it will only get worse. The Bible says it only grows. The only way to deal with it is to bring it to the foot of the cross and say Jesus help me. Jesus forgive me. Jesus I lay it down. God I need your help. That's so, but I just I want to be clear so somebody, I want to teach us some things so we don't listen to the lies the world says. I oh, will just do this once or I oh, will just try this or whatever. If we give in, it will get, it will get worse. So that's, that's kind of the teaching side. There's hopefully some people here that would say, okay, Pastor Darren, I'm in. I understand the danger, I understand the damage potential. Tell me how to resist it. Tell me how to resist it. I get that it's dangerous. I get that it can wreak havoc in my life. I get it that it can mess me up. Again, regardless of what season, brand new Christian, exploring faith, mature mature Christian, young people, children, adults, married couples, single adults. Okay, I understand all of us are affected. I think this is a great question. How do I resist it? I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 17 years old, committed my life to Christ, and and um, I had done some religion things, I'd gone to church on and off, and, but I didn't know what it was like to have an, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I was at a retreat, an event, and I won't tell the story, it just chokes me up when I think about it, with the, the day that Christ came into my life and He became my personal Savior. But I remember the first couple years after becoming a Christian, I've got to be honest with you, I was shocked that temptation didn't go away. I was shocked. And I'm like, this stinks. This thing doesn't work, you know? And again, I didn't know anything about the Bible, all right? I just didn't. But I remember I got, gave my life to Christ, and the first two years, I still struggled with temptation. And I, I literally was like bummed that this temptation thing didn't go away. And then I, I, I slowly caught on that salvation is not a miracle pill against temptation, right? It's just not. That Jesus, the Bible says, I learned... Was tempted just like you and I are tempted. So here's what I want to do I want to share a couple things, some encouraging things that's kind of based on what would be a key principle for this weekend's message at all of our campuses for all of us to grab. So this key principle, and I'm going to ask you to repeat this out loud with me because I just think it's great. So here we go. Don't only say no, no. Say say help. Listen to me. Don't only say no say help. It's a key principle that we're going to finish the message with. It is so great, so important to say no to temptation and to stop it and to fight against it and all those kind of things. But it's not enough. Don't only say no, say help. God, please help me. Please help me. Look at a couple of these verses, James 1.5. If you need wisdom, anybody, anybody here need wisdom? Come on, right? If you need wisdom, I know I do. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. Ask Him. God, help me. And He will gladly give it to you. Matthew 26, 41. Keep watch and pray. This is Jesus speaking, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh of the body, the flesh of the body is weak. My thought as I was studying for this message, when I say, where did that, when you ask, where did that principle come from? Don't say, don't just, don't only say no. It's important to say it, but don't only say it. Say help. Here's my thought if it's only about my personal will and my determination and my fortitude, if it's kind of that against my sinful nature and my flesh and the enemy, I will eventually lose. I, hear this statement, church. Hear it because all of us are in this boat. If it's just me saying, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hold strong for God in every situation. And my fortitude, my will, my flesh is going to be strong enough. I'm just going to stand strong. If it's just me against my sin nature and the flesh and the enemy coming at me, I will eventually, I will eventually lose. So that's why I say, don't only say no. Say help. Say help. Say God help me. God, I need you. God, speak to my life. God, I'm in this moment, and I do want to resist. I do want to say no. I want to do the right steps, but also, God, I need your help. God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to show me the way out, and we'll, we'll teach on that. Next week, Pastor Rob will teach, and we'll look at it in the next couple, couple weekends' messages, but it's so important to don't only say no. Let's say it one more time. Say, don't only say no. Say help. One more verse, Psalms 34, 15. How many could stand a little good news? Come on. This is just one of those, this is one of those, it makes me smile. It's one of those good news verses. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. You know what that means? It's for those of us that say, Jesus Christ, you're you're my number one. You're my Lord, you're my Savior. I love you with all of my heart. If we've made that declaration, boy, this scripture is such good news. It literally says to us that the eyes of the Lord are always upon us. Now, we can look at that two ways. One way is kind of like, hey, live right, you know, know, do it right, serve God, be on, you know. And I think that's part of it, absolutely. But also that he cares so much. And then he makes the statement, I love this church. God's ears are attentive to the cries for help from you and I. He loves to come to our rescue if we just ask. If we just cry out and say, God, I need you. I'm going to do my best to resist temptation. I'm going to do my best to stand strong. I'm going to do my best to make wise decisions. I want to do that. But God, I also know, Help. Help God. I need you. I need you to speak to me. I need you to talk to me. I need you. I need you to help me. I share with you that story early on of when I was 15 and I was driving with that friend on the, on the semi-frozen lake that had a lot of thin ice. And I share with you that when I looked out the window of the truck and looked back and, and I saw the, the slushy water coming out of the back wheel wells and the tires of the truck I tell you, that was a moment where it's just a defining moment in my life. I can remember it like it's yesterday. I did not eat, I didn't know God. I wasn't serving God. That moment hit. And when we turned and we were firing, trying to get to shore, all I remember saying is, please, God, please, God, please, God. That's all I remember saying. Please, God, please, God, please, God. And, uh, it was such a moment. It was such a defining moment. And here's, here's what I would say to you. That, um, that was 30 years ago. Since that day, I have never been in a vehicle on thin ice again. Some of you are like, duh, Pastor. I know. But I've never done it. That, that, that thought of the disaster that was potential, that impending potential disaster just grabbed my mind and my heart, and it was a defining moment. And it changed me. So as we begin this series and we look at this message and we get ready to pray this weekend, I pray that we would take the truth, hear the heart of the scriptures and that we would respond appropriately to God's word and that we would not just say no, but we'd also say, God, help.